0: From the latest on Caribbean cruises to kosher safaris, pilgrimages to Jewish Eastern Europe and award-winning wines and international cuisine in sun-drenched Tel Aviv. Sit back and enjoy the trip with the travel edition of the Jerusalem Post podcast.
1: Well, since I say hello first, hello first. <laughs> Hi! Hi! You're looking a little hairy.
0: Getting my beard ready as you are for our next adventure.
1: We've decided to grow beards because we looked at the temperature <laughs> where we're going next weekend. And the daytime high is minus nine. That's in Celsius.
0: What is it in Fahrenheit, oh, clever one?
1: I think it's about 14.
0: And that's daytime high.
1: Yes. And the evenings are going to be minus Fahrenheit. I think about minus six.
0: Good Lord. Okay, that it was going to be minus 19. Have you ever been skiing? I went dry slope skiing many years ago, which is a thing. It's this sort of material, which is like a crisscross, of toothbrush. And when you land on it, because you're not wearing gloves because you're not in freezing conditions, you burn your hands like a carpet burn. So that's the only skiing I've ever done. And it hurt.
1: I can't walk in a straight line. So put me at an angle and put me on two sticks there is no chance I will come out with my limbs intact.
0: So this mystery location that we're not going to actually reveal till we've been there, also hopefully because COVID isn't going to intervene and jinx this, but are we going to be skiing?
1: I don't think we are. I've seen they've got ski lifts there.
0: It's one of the world's longest ski slopes and it's not somewhere that you would expect, but we are going out onto a frozen lake where we will be I don't want to reveal. Mark and I are very excited because it's got to be ooh, at least two months since our last trip. And the trouble with, with traveling for, I, w- I would love to say for a living, but in our case, traveling for a hobby is once you get a taste of it, you just want more. And on that note, Mark, where are we headed
1: in today's podcast? Well, we're going to start in Africa, but North Africa. I don't think we've been there yet, have we? To North Africa, no. Going to a small island
0: in the middle of the Mediterranean. Yep, we're going to be heading to Djerba and then
1: the Windy City, which brings us on to our quiz questions. Question number one. Star Wars was mainly filmed in Tunisia, but whose home was filmed on the island of Djerba?
0: That's a great question. And for those of you who don't know where the Windy City is, question number two. Chicago is known as the Windy City. But what is the coldest wind chill factor on record in the Windy City? The answer's at the end of the pod. You're listening to the Jerusalem Post podcast, Travel Edition. And Mark, who is definitely inebriated, has something of the giggles. We're not in the same room. He's in his house and I'm in mine. But I'm looking at him over our video connection and he is killing himself laughing.
1: Yeah, sorry. I I misheard (laughs) what you said. I thought the first article was about gerbils. But it's about Gerber. So let's be serious and talk about Gerber. Gerber is a very interesting island off the coast of Tunisia, where I happen to go for my honeymoon. Where did you go for your honeymoon, David? Well, we kind of
0: honeymooned a lot later than our wedding, but we ended up, thanks to my brother-in-law's very generous gift, we ended up in Le Chateau Frontenac in Quebec City, which is a wonderful, wonderful hotel. Oh,
1: sounds lovely. Anyway, Gerber in Tunisia.
0: Gerber has actually always fascinated me from the first time that I heard about it, mainly because of the Jewish community, which has been there. Well, I don't think, I don't even know if there's a record as to how old the community is there.
1: So whenever I tell people that I went to Tunisia on my honeymoon, the first thing they ask is, did you go to Jerba? And unfortunately we didn't, but I'd love to find out more about it. So I found an expert author, Annika Henroth Rothstein, who's firstly gonna tell us about herself and then Jerba.
2: I'm Swedish. I'm currently living in Ghana after many different trips and stays around the world. I am a political consultant, author, and journalist.
1: You're Swedish. You live in Ghana. So we've got you here to talk about Jerba in Tunisia. Makes
2: all the sense.
1: You, you should definitely write a book about this sort of thing.
2: Oh, should I not? Well, as it happens, etc. Plug, plug, plug. I have. <laughs> Do
1: you want to tell us a little bit about that book?
2: It's called Exiles, uh, Portraits of the Jewish Diaspora, and it's exactly that. It's portraits of 12 countries around the more colorful areas. I spent two years traveling around the world, hanging out with Jews, talking to them, and learning about our fantastic Jewish world. It's their stories.
1: The first chapter of the book is Jerba, and Jerba is in Tunisia, where I went on my honeymoon. I didn't go to Jerba, but I went to Tunisia. How do listeners get to Jerba?
2: Most Israelis cannot actually go to Tunisia, but they can go to Jerba. So there is an exemption there. So you can get to Jerba. I got there via Paris. I think that's the easiest way. You fly there, fully functioning airport. It's a little island off the coast of Tunisia. It's easy enough. I think it's like two or three flights a week or something like that, at least from Paris.
0: Tell us a couple of interesting stories about your time within the Jerba community.
2: The first thing I did, was I got a hotel and I walked across the street and I saw a jeweler and I thought, why not go in and chat a little bit? And it says Shimon on the top of the store. So I said, mm, I feel like I might be lucky here. And I think 20 minutes after that, I was invited to his and his extended family's house for Shabbos and I ended up moving in with them because that's how it goes. It's an extremely traditional community. You know, I describe it as the shtetl and I do that in the most positive way sense of the word in the book because they are closed off from the rest of the world, but then they enter into sort of the coexistence to work and then they go back into the shtetl at night. So it's a very traditional, very old school community. And the girls and boys live on different floors in the house. So the siblings, like the boys live upstairs and the girls live downstairs. So I just moved in with one of the families there and it helped me really immerse myself in the experience. I went there during Hanukkah. I was actually also writing a story on that for J-Post, the Hanukkah experience there. And it was magical because a big part of being there is that you feel like you're being transported back in time because it's not your everyday touristy place. It feels like a thousand and one nights in a way because you have those old winding streets and a lot of market people. There's plenty of kosher food. You're you're actually
0: (laughs) answering all of our questions in one go, oh, which is fantastic.
2: That's how I roll, yeah. <laughs> Swedish efficiency.
1: So if I was there as a tourist, could I take a walking tour? Is the synagogue open for, for tourists to see?
2: Yes, and no. Like walking tour, it's like it's not like going to Hungary or something like that where it's a historical, you know, mostly historical community and you do the traditional tours. My recommendation would be if you go there and you're a Jew, first of all go to shul, you know, you can go to the synagogue. The synagogues are open. That One of the fascinating things is in this island, and you know, it's, I say this, it's it's two streets. You know, the main city is two streets. And during prayer time for both Muslims and Jews, everybody closes up shop and just goes to pray. There are no hilani people in Jerba. No secular people. No secular people on the island. So it means that when it's time to pray, it's time to pray. So then you can kind of follow the herd. It's a little bit more difficult. I mean, we've found a way around it. If you're a woman, you can't just walk in. You know, it's not necessarily always, you know, a natural place for women to be in every single synagogue, but it's the smartest thing to do is just immerse yourself. And there's your walking tour to get back to what you, you asked for stories. You know, what I learned was... A, how incredibly traditional it is. I felt like I was able to peek at a world that I would probably never see again. And also that the influence of Arab culture is very strong. So you see uh, an incredibly orthodox community that has a lot of Arab culture in it. After Shul and before Shabbos dinner, all the girls kind of go walking up and down the street in the, on the main street in the Jewish part, in the shtetl, and all the men stand by the side up against the wall. And we don't look each other in the eye, but it's clearly, you know, everybody's wearing their Shabbos best. You know, all the ladies are looking amazing. And this is a chance for unmarried women to kind of, you know, show themselves the most surprising thing of all was I was walking next to one of the sisters who I didn't know was newly engaged and she kind of nudges me a little bit and says oh don't look now but there to the right is my fiance I said oh should we go over and say hi and she says no 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 after we were engaged we don't speak until the chuppah and I said you live in this tiny little one quarter city and I said how how does that even work and why and she says well you know One glance, and then you have a pregnant bride under the huppah. So we don't want to risk anything. (laughs) So it was the extreme version of it could lead to mixed dancing, you know. So, so it was fascinating. I I hope the engagements
1: aren't too long. (laughs) (laughs) (laughs)
2: Um, So it's it was amazing.
0: Yeah. Beyond the Jewish community, are there other things for a visitor, Jewish or non-Jewish, to see?
2: Well, yes, if you are like me, which I would say is a kind of typical female tourist anywhere, if you like buying beautiful things, <laughs> you know, Jerba is your your place. I think I had what three thousand dollars on me for everything for the trip and everything. i couldn't I couldn't spend it. It's still cheap. It's one of the few places in the world where you can stay for a long time and it's still really cheap. The pottery, you know, various artisan handicrafts. It's some of the most amazing, beautiful things I've ever seen in my life. Leatherwork, of course, jewelry. I have more jewelry than I dare say after this. <laughs> but it's and it's a beautiful island. I mean it's also known as a beautiful tourist island for Tunisians as well because of the beaches, because it's relatively untouched still. So yes, it's it's simple. You know, it's a very, it's a simple existence and they have luxury hotels, but if you wanna live in the city, you know, you live in a kind of traditional Tunisian way. I found that to be wonderful because it's very rare today that you don't get a perfectly curated traditional experience where it's clear that they, you know, curated it for tourists, but this is the actual way that people live. And so it's worth the trip no matter what, even if you don't wanna go to shul for some reason, it's definitely worth the trip because it's an experience of a lifetime. What about
0: kosher and veggie food?
2: Um, okay. So that's the, my half answer from before. So they have, I I think I gained probably six pounds in a week. I mean, I'm pretty sure I did because I've never eaten. It's some of the best kosher food I've ever had in my life because of course it's Tunisian. So it's, incredibly tasty and they have, you know, a lot of traditional like brick. They have, you know, fried dough with egg inside of it, kind of like, you know, the Georgian dish. It's spicy, it's amazing. And it's a great place to meet the Jews because it's, again, it's a small community. I think there were two kosher places in the city when I was there a few years ago. And it's a great place to meet other Jews because as in any small community, even in mine, those are the places where you hang out and just chill, or have a Coke Zero, or just you know talk to the parliament outside. It's no different than any other Jewish place in that way, but it's it's really amazing.
1: I loved Tunisia when I went. I really would would love to go to well
2: And as for you know guides, what will happen very quickly, and it happened. And I don't think I'm extraordinary in any way as a as a tourist. What happens if you just speak to the Jews there? They will be happy to guide you. You know, they'll be happy to answer any questions. It helps of course if you speak Hebrew French or Arabic because English is not that commonly spoken. I was very lucky. I I met somebody who just got back from Yeshiva, you know, had, he had been been abroad a bit. So it was, you know, he was kind of he helped me out when my French faltered, but you know, they, they will give you the tour and that's a much better tour that they will show you around, for sure be invited to their house. You know, I was invited to cook with one of the mothers um, and learn new dishes. And, and, you know, that's the experience we all want, the real life of people at the places we visit. What other
1: fascinating places have you got in your book?
2: I spent two months in Iran living there as a Jew. I spent significant time, a year almost in Venezuela. Siberia I had always wanted to go to so I went to Yakutsk. Uzbekistan, you know, I spent Pesach in in Marrakesh. I've been all over the place and of course places that are exotic to other people and not as much to me. I told the story of my own community through the stories of my best friend a 95 year old old Macher from my community which was a great honor for me to be able to tell the story of his life. I spent a lot of time in Finland. I've tried to tell many a story about the jewish world and i've I've chosen communities that are not spoken about enough there were a lot of countries that i i couldn't cover in the book because it would have been too big a book so i'm i'm hoping that there will be a second one when when i keep keep at it you know
1: starting with ghana (laughs) Starting
2: starting with ghana so so there's there's a lot more to see
1: the book is exile
0: the author is anika henroth rothstein You can get the book on Amazon and any other place where you can buy jolly good reads. Anika, thank you so much indeed for your time on our podcast.
2: Thank you. It was my pleasure.
1: Gerber fact file. The island is served by Gerber Zazis International Airport. Tunis Air flies direct from Tunis, Paris, Frankfurt and a number of French regional airports. There are also direct flights from Luxembourg and Brussels, as well as seasonal flights from Moscow, Zurich, Amsterdam and Berlin. The easiest way to access the island from mainland Tunisia is by ferry. The currency is the Tunisian dinar. One US dollar will buy you 2.88 dinar. Djerba has a very mild Mediterranean climate. The best months to visit are July through September, with a perfect temperature around 28 degrees Celsius 82 degrees fahrenheit and scarce rainfall there are a number of five-star hotels on jerba including the radisson blue Hasdrubal prestige and palm beach palace nearly all the tunisian german jewish food scene is concentrated on the main street in hara kabira local specialities include chicken and spicy beef grills and skewers fiery meatball kofta and brick triangular-thin pastries filled with egg, tuna, capers, and potatoes.
0: And now it's time for the latest news brought to you by the Jerusalem Post podcast, Travel Edition. Global tourism experienced a 4% upturn in 2021 compared to the previous year. That's according to preliminary estimates by the World Tourism Organization.
1: Philippine Airlines will start twice weekly direct flights from Manila to Tel Aviv from April 2022. Flight times are expected to be around 11 and a half hours.
0: A United Airlines flight from Newark to Tel Aviv was recently turned back as two passengers bumped themselves up from economy to business class and became increasingly aggressive when asked to return. United Airlines says it doesn't tolerate inappropriate behavior and passenger safety is valued
1: above all. Wizz Air will launch a second daily Tel Aviv to London route in March 2022, this time to Gatwick Airport, one of 14 new routes from the South London Airport.
0: And to Brazil now, where the Rosewood Sao Paulo Hotel just opened, with dining managed by executive chef Felipe Rodriguez, who held a Michelin star until 2020. The hotel will feature six restaurants and a 24-hour kosher kitchen.
1: Bulls, bears, blackhawks, white socks. You're listening to Wildlife on the BBC with Mark Gordon. Well, after gerbils, I thought we'd go with... Chicago,
0: Chicago. So we are headed stateside, as we said, right at the start to the Windy City, to Chicago, home of some amazing jazz. It's also the home of Dr. Ed Mazur from the leadership of the Chicago Jewish Historical Society.
3: Well, the Jewish community of Chicago, its roots really stretch back to the 1830s and early 1840s. The first synagogue in Chicago was established in the mid-1840s, and it was called Kehiloth Anshe Mariv, the Congregation of the Men of the West. And in the 1840s, where Chicago is, right now we're in the center of the United States, that was pretty much, could be considered the West in some quarters. It was established by Jews who came from various parts of Germany. Now, that first Jewish community was located right in the center of downtown or Central Business District, Chicago, at Lake and Wells Street, and the synagogue was located above the uh, dry goods store of two Jewish merchants. Within a few years, there were differences of opinion within the congregation about religious practices, if wearing a straw hat was acceptable in an orthodox setting, as opposed to a more formal black hat, for example. Kahilath Anshay Mariv soon morphed into several other congregations. Probably the most prominent would be Chicago Sinai Congregation, which is a reformed congregation located in the Gold Coast area of Chicago. This group that numbered maybe 25 30,000 over the next 40 years will be overwhelmed by Jews from Central and Eastern Europe. Divisions between the two communities were so defined that we had two charitable organizations for many years, one catering to East Europeans and one catering to others. Eventually in the 1920s, Uh, Largely under the leadership of the late Julius Rosenwald, the man responsible for putting the Sears Roebuck Corporation onto everybody's mind and kitchen table with the catalogs and so on. These formed one and were united. Today there are about 330,000 Jews who live inside the city of Chicago.
1: Would it be easy for if I was visiting Chicago today to see some of these old Jewish sites? What is still around from the mid 19th century?
3: I would recommend that if you were when you come to Chicago that you make it a your business to go to the Chicago Loop Synagogue, uh, right in downtown Chicago. It has magnificent stained glass windows. I would ask you to go to the Kahila Thanche Mari isaiah israel congregation in hyde park um it's an architectural treasure designed in a kind of moorish style of architecture then i would ask you to go up to the suburbs of chicago north suburb called glencoe illinois and visit the north shore congregation designed by a very famous architect Minoru yamasaki I would ask you to um, visit the North Lawndale community, Roosevelt Road, Independence Boulevard. And there you would find a number of currently black churches that were very imposing Jewish synagogues. One that I call the Romanian synagogue of Chicago, KINS synagogue of Chicago. These are all black churches today. And I would recommend that uh, you go into those areas with a guide like any other inner city area they're perfectly safe for the most part, but you have to be aware of your surroundings. I would then recommend that you visit the Wicker Park or Bucktown area in, in Chicago, the University of Chicago in Hyde Park, which has a tremendous uh, number of uh, important Jewish people associated with that, including the site of the first atomic reaction, Enrico Fermi. But his wife, Laura Fermi, was an Italian Jewess. West Rogers Park. You should walk Devon Avenue from Western to Kedzie Avenue, and then along California between Devon and O'Tooley oh, Avenues. It's about a half mile mile walk. We call that the Rue de Pays because there are a number of Jewish uh, synagogues and other institutions in that uh, vicinity. We also have several cemeteries that have important meaning to um, Chicago Jewry. The Waldheim Cemetery the Oakwood Cemetery, the Graceland Cemetery, our Millennium Park in Chicago, where you would find the Pritzker Music Pavilion. Pritzker family, they own the Hyatt Hotel chain. The current governor of Illinois is Governor uh, Pritzker. His sister Penelope was Secretary of the Treasury for President Obama. You would find the Bean or Cloud Gate designed by Anish Kapoor, whose family is of Jewish heritage, and the Crown Fountains, all in our Millennium Park. The Henry Crown family, one of the major figures in General Dynamics, at one time they owned the Empire State Building. So there's an awful, awful lot to do in Chicago.
1: David and I love to go eating and cooking our way around the world. Are there some good traditional Jewish style restaurants to visit in Chicago while we're visiting all these other sites?
3: Yes, you'd have to come to my house and my wife would have to cook you, cook you up a very traditional meal. For people who are observant, in downtown Chicago, the central area, we don't have a viable kosher restaurant. But when you get out to uh, neighborhoods like West Rogers Park, Skokie, and other areas in the north suburbs, there are some very, very good restaurants. There's one called Shallots, which I highly recommend. There is a uh, restaurant called Evita's Argentinian Steakhouse, mm. about 6300 north on Lincoln Avenue, which is very popular. We have two restaurants in our Newtown area, popular with Jewish people, called Milts for the Perplexed. Uh, there's the bagel <laughs> restaurant. We have a number of dairy restaurants in Chicago. There are a number of other restaurants, a number of uh, pizza restaurants. We have several grills that serve Middle Eastern food and There's an excellent sushi restaurant called Hamachi in West Rogers Park. So we have quite a few places. You won't starve in Chicago, (laughs) as long as you two gentlemen have a credit card. (laughs) Believe me, you're in good shape. You're in good shape.
0: How can anybody listening to this find out more about the Chicago Jewish Historical Society?
3: Well, we have a website, ChicagoJewishHistory.org. They could email me emazur u r five three one 3 one at AOL.com. I'd be glad to uh, respond. Dr. Ed Mazur,
0: thank you for sharing. We only heard a tip of a very, very large iceberg of information. Thank you for your time. And also for the two of us who have been watching you throughout this interview, thank you for having a wonderful collection of locomotives and other trains in the background while we've been talking to you. Thank you.
3: Thank you. I even have two hornbeats, so you fellows from the UK (laughs) should be familiar with that. (laughs) Thank Thank you. you.
0: Chicago fact file. Chicago has two large airports, O'Hare International and Midway International. O'Hare is one of the busiest airports in the United States. Most North American airlines and the major European and Asian airlines offer direct flights to O'Hare. Southwest Airlines is the main carrier at Midway. Taxes from both airports to the city can be quite expensive. from Midway and $40 from O'Hare. A train ride from O'Hare into town is $5. If you're driving in Chicago, be aware that some of the expressways around the city are referred to by their name rather than their number. So locals will call the I-55 the Stevenson Expressway. Given Chicago's nickname is the Windy City, it gives you an idea about the climate, at least some of the year. December to March is very cold. July and August can be hot and humid. May and September are often the most comfortable times of year to visit. As you can imagine, the city offers pretty much every style of accommodation. Reader's Digest suggests the best place to stay in town is the Gwen, a member of the Marriott Luxury Collection. It's a great city for international cuisine. There's a Greek town, Desi Corridor, Chinatown and soul food and barbecue in Chathams. There's an abundance of celebrity chefs in Lincoln Park and Wicker Park. There are around 20 kosher restaurants in the city's suburbs to say nothing of bakeries, delis and more.
1: Firstly, I would like to thank Annika and Ed for appearing on the podcast today and keeping us entertained for the last 30 minutes. And we at this
0: time implore you and beg you and ask you parents- on bended knee again. No I'm not on bended knee this time but I'm smiling very nicely and asking you if you would, give us a little bit of help with the pod. The way you can do that, for example, is writing a review. Each time somebody writes a review, it sort of pushes us up this list of the most popular podcasts. And we don't want to be one of the most popular. We want to be the top podcast in this particular genre. In addition to that, you can also
1: subscribe and then you will get our podcast freshly baked in your inbox every two weeks.
0: And please share the good news about this wonderful podcast that you found
1: with all and sundry. Shall we do the quiz answers? Question one. Star Wars was mainly filmed in Tunisia, but whose home was filmed on the island of Jerba? And the answer is Obi-Wan Kenobi. That's a
0: terrific question. Great piece of trivia. And question number two. Chicago is known as the Windy City. But what is the coldest wind chill factor on record? The answer is a staggering minus 82 Fahrenheit or minus 63 Celsius, which was recorded on Christmas Eve of 1983.
1: Did you say minus 82? I know I
0: did. Wow. I know. Wow. I, all, all I can say is when we go away next week, I seriously, seriously hope that the minus 19 low is as low as it goes.
1: Oh, gosh. Let's just stay out of the way of the wind.
0: Absolutely. And at this stage, we should probably stay out of the way of all of our listeners. If you've stayed with us till now, thank you so very much indeed. We'll see you again in a couple of weeks' time. Goodbye.
3: Bye-bye.